Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Today, we will be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ and how families can actively grow in the various facets of discipleship. Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Jason Cargo. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. Emily, I want to know, have you ever been really tired? <laughs> Is this a trick question? <laughs> yeah, well, you're a mom of five, right? <laughs> yes, so, on many occasions. So, so what do you do when you're really tired? Oh, well, the answer, you would think the correct answer would be sleep, but that doesn't really happen. Um, I mean, I definitely have experienced extreme exhaustion, and I think that's probably happen in my life when I was a new mother and you're waking up constantly every three hours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and sleep wasn't an option back then and neither was coffee. So, um, really just getting up and moving around. Wait, 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 wait. Why was coffee not an option? Well, as a new mother, if you're nursing the, they suggest that you don't drink coffee because whatever you consume, your baby's consuming as well. And if you want your baby to sleep, okay, you don't want to put any stimulants. (laughs) I, I understand that makes sense. And yeah, what you drink, it passes through the, the milk, right? Yes, yes. So so no coffee, and so what would you do? Yeah, walking, getting up, moving around, okay. putting on music. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe pray a little bit, right? <laughs> Lord, give me the strength, I need help. Yes, cry. So, no, I, I, I bring that up. I, this weekend was just crazy for me, <clears throat> just so full of activity, lots of great activity, you know, ordination. I was blessed to and be in the place of our bishop and do some confirmations at a, a local parish and slapped a bunch of oil on people. And I like, a, I like to use a lot of oil and it's, it's, mm. it's really cool. And then, um, and then a wedding and, and then I was at a retreat. I, I saw your husband yes. at retreat. And so it was just re- really full. And then yesterday we had celebration of deacons coming in to our parish and, and then uh, a n- whole host of other things, which was uh, really fun and great. It made me think like, how cool it would be um, to be able to do the full cycle of of sacraments for a priest on one day. <laughs> you know, well, I guess the priest can't do a full cy- sac- cycle, right? Because we don't actually lay hands on people for ordination. Right. <laughs> but a bishop could do the full cycle, right? I mean, you could do confession, and you could do anointing the sick, and you can baptize and confirm, and then you can uh, witness a marriage, and then you can. Um, and then uh, lay hands on someone for ordination. And I wonder if there's any kind of like a trophy for that. Like an Olympic, <laughs> the sacramental Olympics. <laughs> I did the cycle of sacraments, you know. <laughs> or what would be instead of a triathlon, what's seven? <laughs> Sept- septathlon. <laughs> so anyhow, no, I, I didn't do a, a, a septathlon uh, this this weekend, but uh, someone was like, man, you did a wedding. You were at, uh, you were at, uh, did confirmations and mass and, and uh, ordination. You, you did almost all of them. I was like, well, I, I didn't do the, the uh, confessions or anointing on that day on yeah. Sunday. Yes. <laughs> so, wow. so anyway, just part of the fun uh, of, of priesthood and I, but I am tired. I will say that but it's okay to be tired. It means we're, we've poured ourselves out for someone else, yeah, right? That's when you need to go rest in the spirit. <laughs> yes. Uh, tomorrow would be a good day to, to rest. So yes. anyhow, um, 
So today we're exploring something really cool. What are we exploring today? Yeah, so this is something, you know, we've hinted on and off with some of our topics, but we are going to be exploring what it means to be a disciple and kind of break that open and give people some action steps to take um, if they feel like they are one, um, you know, maybe they need to get back on track and, and strengthen their discipleship muscles, or maybe they're just not really sure, you know, am I a disciple or not? So we're going to break that open. Um, and I think the best way to do that, and let's just, first of all, look at what is a disciple. Um, and so something that I found that was interesting looking at this is, is that term for us in our day and age, it's very much, um, related to being a Christian, you mm-hmm. know, being a follower of Christ. But historically that was a word that was very common. That would be similar to what is a, uh, an apprentice because in essence, a disciple is someone who is studying under and trying to emulate a valued teacher. So back in the day, anybody who was studying under, you know, under our craftsmen, for instance, even Jesus studying under the leadership of his father, who was a carpenter would be considered a disciple. Yes. He was an apprentice. He was trying to learn the craft. And the only way that he could do that was to be able to follow them. They didn't have a school that they would go to, to, you know, learn, you know, A, B and C how to do this. It would be to watching and all the fine details and experiencing, getting their hands dirty, trying it out. And for an extended period of time until they were able to gain, you know, the ability to go off and do it on their own. So that's really what a disciple is. And so historically it could have been anything, but specifically this term was connected to the early disciples who were Mm -hmm. followers of Jesus, who learned what it means to be a Christian by walking with him and learning from him. Um, and then it carried forth and that's where we are today. So even like based on what you were just saying, there's a certain, um, a certain belief as being a disciple that you're to imitate the master, right? Right. So there's like a, the master showing you and teaching and, and you'll be imitating what the master does. Yes, very much so. You're trying to emulate the words, you know, so I think if you think about carpentry and I'm, you know, not a crafty <laughs> work person, but I can only imagine, you know, if you're like smoothly, like, you know, like trying to sand something down or like focusing on the details, that's something that let's say if he passed over the tools to Jesus and said, okay, you do it. And if he does it wrong, no, 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 let me correct you. Wait, this wait, is the would, way. would Jesus have done it wrong? <laughs> well, he was fully human <laughs> as well as fully it's, divine. <laughs> it, it's like, would he have ever hit his thumb on, nailing something, right? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he may. He had to have made mistakes. That's what gives us hope that we can emulate him because it's not go. impossible. <laughs> you know, and, and in the USCCB, there's a quote that says, being a disciple is a challenge. Fortunately, one does not become a disciple of Christ on his or her own initiative. The work of the Holy Spirit within the Christian community forms a person as a disciple of Christ. One seeking to learn how to be a disciple of Christ does so through apprenticeship. Apprenticeship links an experienced Christian believer or mentor with one who seeks a deeper relationship with Christ and the church. And I think that's important because it's not just talking about historically what was done, the early disciples learning from Jesus, but it even kind of shows us that if we want to be disciples today, we need to be a part of a faith community and we need to find someone who can help us in our journey and our walk towards being a good Christian and living out the gospel message. You know, Emily, what I heard in there was your very first words. And then I was like, I don't know what she said after that. (laughs) But anyway, the very first words was like, being a disciple is a challenge. A challenge. And um, I just started thinking about that. I was like, challenge. Wow. You know, we all need to be challenged, right? But sometimes we think that uh, faith is just going to be this easy peasy path, right? Mm -hmm. And that, oh yeah, you know, and so it's not something that requires 
on our part, sacrifice and rising to the occasion and, and all that. But right there, the USCCB is saying, no, that it, to be a disciple means rising to the challenge of following Christ, right? Right. And, you know, look at the martyrs. It's, yeah, it's that's not true. Easy. <laughs> you know, and, you know, actually something that I thought of, and I think you mentioned um, in your homily, was when you look at it being a challenge, you know, look at the early disciples and look at Peter, um, you know, they were equipped you know, maybe they were equipped, you know, they were adults when they began their apprenticeship under Jesus and they only had about three years with him, but they had the knowledge. And yet when Christ left them, they, they didn't have that, <laughs> I don't know, that strength, that courage mm -hmm. to go and do what they knew they could, but there was that fear until the Holy Spirit came down upon them and sent them forth. So that's something that I think is really important to think about is um, it is a challenge, but it's not impossible. And with the Holy Spirit, you know, we can do amazing things. Yeah, all things are possible through Christ who loves us, right? Mm -hmm. So, and acts absolutely through the Holy Spirit, all can happen. So, so I want to hear, I want to read a couple of verses now um, that Jesus talks about when it comes to the Holy um, path of following him as, as a disciple. So John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So Emily, if I just go around uh, giving Valentine's to people, then I'm being a <laughs> disciple of Jesus, right? You're being very kind and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if kind and sweet is part of the uh, lexicon of, yeah. of, of being a disciple I, or, or a virtue. You know, no, you know, obviously I, I make fun of, because uh, we, we used word love for a lot of different things. And sometimes we, we think of love as being that thing that is desirable for us or pleasing to us or we're doing something nice or sweet. But instead, um, love is really about sacrificing ourselves for the good of the other. That's my favorite definition of love, mm. uh, laying our life down for the good of someone else. Right. Yeah. And you know, when you, re when you re read this, um, it kind of makes me think about my role because as a disciple, it has to be every aspect of your life. You can't just compartmentalize. And I'm a disciple when I come to mass, but everywhere. And so I also think about, you know, when I'm out at the grocery store and I'm with all my children, <laughs> I'm stressed out, you know, sometimes I yell and I actually do have this check where I think maybe there's someone from the church here. They're going to see me. Like I, I, if I'm truly who I say I am, then I need to be able to put my emotions in check. I need to be able to respond with love and not so, like some crazy woman. <laughs> so what would what would the, your kids be doing that would be <laughs> at a place where you have to check yourself not to be crazy woman? Yeah, you know, it's like little <laughs> things that just build up. Like my, I have one of my, my younger son who just touches everything. When Even when you say, don't touch anything, like everything, touch, 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 touch. <laughs> you know, that's, ah, something's going to fall or break or, um, or just they rile one another up. So they start to act, they start to lift their voices, whether they're having fun. A lot of times it's, they're playing around, they're having fun, but you know that when they get to a certain point of having fun and laughing uncontrollably, the very next step is someone's going to start crying. Yes. Yes. So it's just when you see those patterns of, you know, and I want this image of this perfect Holy family in the grocery store and <laughs> really children because we're pro-life people. You know, if people see me in the grocery store with all of my kids, I don't want them to think, Oh, you can't handle it. Like I want to be able to show it is possible. This is such a joy and a blessing. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, every single one is, as your children are, are, you know, 
know, perfectly dressed and they, they have a, <laughs> oh, maybe not a, that. <laughs> a, a, a waiting table and a cloth over their arm and, and they're, they're ready to go get whatever you want them to go get. Right. That's how it works <laughs> oh, in the Lugo family. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, even at the grocery store, we, we want to be disciples. I think also, you know, a lot of times when we're, um, waiting in line at the grocery store or waiting in line anywhere or driving our car. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime that there's kind of that moment of where we have to wait and we have to exercise patience, that's a great moment where we can say, am I living as a disciple? Do I choose as a disciple? What would a disciple uh, choose at this moment, right? That's a great, you know, I have this great mental picture now of you driving and cutting someone off. <laughs> 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 the parking lot road rage. Is that Father Jason? Well, <laughs> I have I have given hand gestures uh, before. <laughs> well, the, oh, I, the <laughs> I just I just blessed uh, Emily. That's my yeah. that's my hand gesture. Yeah, his that, hand gesture is a holy one. But but, but sometimes <laughs> that hand gesture comes out because I want to give another hand gesture. <laughs> May God bless you. Okay, <laughs> because I want to kill you. Okay, no. Um, Anyway, uh, so that does happen. We do decide how do we uh, live as a disciple, even in those moments where we feel so impatient and we're so um, and, and so uh, dif and difficult. We rise to the challenge to be disciples. Another verse before we digress to other crazy stuff is from Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-three. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Emily, what do you think of that? Mm, the cross. <laughs> That's that martyrdom we were talking about, that it's not all about me. It's really dying to self um, for the glory of God. And, and that is definitely a challenge. I think when I was in um, undergrad, I remember one of my theology teachers was talking about marriage and had mentioned that the symbol of marriage shouldn't be a heart, but it should be the cross, the crucifix, because that's what it's really all about. Love is dying to yourself um, for the other. And, you know, the cross, I think oftentimes we have cute little crosses that we wear around our neck and, and, or that's on the wall at our homes or whatever. And, but the cross is an instrument of death, mm -hmm. right? So what Jesus is saying here is you must take up that instrument of death um, by denying yourself and those, those things that get in the way of following Christ, right? So that's mm -hmm. the challenge we rise up to. And that's the discipline that we follow uh, as we live out Christ. You know, you think about what is the root word of discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Disciple. Disciple. So another verse, uh, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. This is the 12th chapter, John verse 24. So here uh, we, we see Jesus uh, using a, an analogy of this agricultural uh, reality that, uh, that wheat has to, to come off the branch and it has to separate itself from what it thought it would that it's original constitution so that a new plant can come about. And I think in our own life, being a disciple oftentimes involves that we have to let go of what our desires, or our thoughts of what that situation should be like, like the perfect family at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then accept where it is love in that moment, uh, in all the messiness and imperfections of that moment by sacrificing ourselves, building those up around us, and then fruit will be born, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think this is a beautiful scripture verse to just take some time um, and pray over and reflect on. Um, I, I have read a spiritual reflection on this before. I think it was written by the Marianist brothers, and it broke apart this verse and what that looks like. And it would, I think I first read it when I was 
young in college, undergrad, and now reading it at a later stage in my life, it has so much more meaning. Um, but I think it's something that's very beautiful and exactly what you said. It's not just about dying to yourself, but even dying to what you thought would be. So it goes back to Jesus and how he prayed, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. You know, taking that, it's not about the perfect vision that I have and the roadmap and where I want to go, but truly just opening yourself up to let God work through you. So I, I think this is a beautiful and I would encourage if anyone, um, you know, wants to pray some Lexio Divina to, to read John chapter 12, verse 24, um, and just let that speak to you. You know, Emily, I, whenever I see a, a, a couple who's going to get married and right before I meet maybe about three weeks before or four weeks before the, the wedding, just to make sure everything's kind of ironed out and we have, uh, there's no turns or twists and make sure they still love each other you know, <laughs> three or four weeks before. But anyway, um, I always tell to tell the bride, I was like, I want you to remember something very important. You will not have the perfect wedding. You'll have a beautiful and joyful wedding. If you remember that you will not have the perfect way. <laughs> <laughs> Those expectations. <laughs> and so, um, and they, they always like cringe a little bit. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> and the husband's like, uh-huh. Yep. That's what I've been telling her. <laughs> so anyway, but that, that's the same thing here. A lot of times we do have our, our goals and our expectations and reality is always different from what we make our plan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, uh, look at this verse from the catechism, uh, Christ's disciples are to conform themselves to him until he is formed in them. So this is the catechism number 562. Christ's disciples are to conform themselves to him until he is formed in them. You know, I have a, a great love for icons, Emily, and and I think that was just from my time in Rome and just spending time in some of the, the ancient sites and just have a, a, a great I don't know, appreciation for the icon. And one of the things that the icon really is like a portal into the eternal, into the eternal, right? So when you're gazing upon the icon, there's a depth there that's supposed to move you past the, the present time into the, the spiritual realm, which is the eternal. And I've often thought that as disciples, we're, we are to be clear icons of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. as a priest, especially, like I, I, I want people not to see me, Jason Cargo, but to see... Uh, the icon of Jesus Christ uh, within me. And the more I'm able to be clear to that, then, and the more they can see that, then that's, uh, I'm living out my vocation, my call as, uh, as a priest, but certainly as a disciple of Jesus. And so I think that's what's being said here, you know, that we are to be true icons of Christ uh, so that people see Jesus within us. And the more we conform ourselves to him, then the more that we become like Christ. Yeah, I, I think that that verse is very beautiful because it's, you know, not just our trying to be like him, but also him coming within us. And it, it makes me think, you know, you have this image of the icon, that's something that you're drawn to. Um, something that I was drawn to when I first started working in ministry, my office was behind where the tabernacle was and I was very conscious of it. Um, and I remember having this moment where I thought like, I want to be a tabernacle for the Holy spirit. Mm. You know, like I don't want it to just be in there, but I want him to be within me. And I think it's that same concept of, are we opening ourselves up to allow God, the Holy spirit to reside within us so that he can shine through us? Yes. That's a challenge. 
And if it's a difficulty for you, I would just say, just start singing this song. I want to be, I want to be like Christ, like Christ. I want to be, I want to be like Christ. Actually, that's going back into the 1980s. <laughs> and I want to be like Mike, of course, Michael Jordan. And I think it was a Wheaties commercial or something. I was wondering, where did, where did that song come from? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm, I will be selling uh, CDs later. Uh, so, um, you know, $25 to Father Jason. Okay. All right. So what's next, Emily? Yeah. So we just scared everyone to, you know, <laughs> tell you how much of a challenge it is to be a disciple, but we're going to break this down and we're going to talk about what are the steps to become a disciple and what does that look like? Um, and manageable bite sites, um, steps for everybody. So there's this model that I've, um, seen, I guess, especially in the youth ministry world that is really simple and it, and it's great. So when you talk about like, what does it mean to be a disciple or even a missionary disciple, you can say, no, grow, go. And so we're going to break that down. No. So first of all, to be a disciple, you need to know who is God. Um, so it's not just the head knowledge, but you have to have an encounter, whether that's, you know, maybe it's from the faith of your parents, your grandparents, maybe that's a retreat experience where you just felt the Holy Spirit come into your life. It could be, people of faith, catechists who've shown him to you, but you first of all have to know him. Of course, before you can follow him, you have to know who he is. So no is the first step. And I think a lot of people get to that step, but then they stop. You know, Emily, I, I, I like in Spanish, uh, the two words for to know, right? Saber and conocer. Because mm -hmm. saber, it, it, it conveys a sense of knowing about, right. right? And conocer is knowing, having an intimate experience with someone, right? Having having a relationship with someone. And I think uh, we do need to know about the Lord, but we most importantly need to ha know him as someone in our life mm -hmm. that we're in relationship with, right? So, uh, you know, an example, if you think about uh, someone that you're uh, in love with and uh, dating, you're going to want to know all about that person, right? you'll be asking all these questions. I mean, ladies do it better than guys, but ladies will start asking guys question after question after question. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? How was this? What was this in your life, right? And so you have all these questions. There you're learning about the person, mm -hmm. right? But the time that you spend together is where you're knowing each other in relationship. So I think that's a very important part. It, it goes hand in hand. You know, one of the things that uh, one of the, the, the movements in our, our church, the neocatechumenal way, they actually, at one point, they asked their, uh, the, the people in the, in the movement to speak about the creed in front of everyone, right? So they'll say, I want you to talk uh, about each of the aspects of the creed and say how you know this from relationship hmm. so, and from experience. So I believe yeah. in God from my own experience of God in my life. I believe God is father from my own experience of having ex had this relationship as the beloved son of the father. I believe in Jesus Christ as savior because this is my experience of him saving me. Right? So it's a, I believe in the Holy spirit because this is my experience of the Holy spirit empowering me and, um, and, and coming into my life. Uh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. I would, I challenge everyone listening here, go through the creed and, and, and say, how can I articulate my experience of my faith through relationship with God? And if I'm not able to, if there's a spot there where I'm really struggling, then ask, ask the Lord, help me to, 
know the Holy Spirit. Help me to know that Jesus uh, saves me from my sin. Help me to know that I am the beloved son or daughter of the Father, that he holds me in his arms and provides and protects and cares for me, right? What, what a beautiful exercise to do, to, you know, to move from that intellectual knowledge of God to that heartfelt experience of knowing. And I think that was beautiful, the the Spanish, the saber and conocer, to I had never thought about that. Yeah, you can know about something. You could stalk somebody on Facebook, no. right? But do you know them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just that intimacy. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, so once we know God, we know who he is, um, then hopefully there's that longing in your heart to continue to know him more deeply and more intimately. And that's where we move into the grow aspect of that know, grow, go model. So growing is, you know, specifically being intentional. How do you get to know God more um, intimately? And there are various ways. So one is prayer. And that could be personal prayer. That could be corporate participating in the mass, going to the sacraments, um, reading scripture, going in front of the blessed sacrament. There's so many different ways, depending on your particular spirituality, um, whatever will help you to feed that pray. That's our opportunity to communicate to the Lord, to talk to him and not just talk at him, but to also stop and listen to him. Um, so that's a huge piece of this is grow. Yes. And definitely, um, uh, we can't do anything without prayer, and our faith is all about prayer. That conversation with Him, and that's what that's that's the time spent with Him, right? That's like uh, us going with our beloved somewhere uh, on a date. Uh, it's like us having that phone conversation with the person that's uh, that we want to have that friendship with, right? So that's what prayer is, is that conversation. And it's the, truly it's the foundation of what it means to be a disciple, to be able to go forth and evangelize. You have to have that base. Um, And even if, you know, for many people, they start out with it on their journey to discipleship and then maybe they get so busy doing that that starts slacking off Mm -hmm. and that's when things can break apart. It's really so vital, important, that connection to the, to the vine, that foundation um, prayer is what is going to, you know, stabilize us throughout this whole process of of following the Lord. Now, apart from prayer, um, it's all, it is also the knowledge. So like studying of the faith. So being able to understand where church came from, um, what does our church teach? Uh, you know, do I hold and believe the values of the Catholic faith? Am I showing that to the world through my actions and my attitudes and my words? So being able to, um, to know those and, and to hold on to them. And, you know, for many, they will have to maybe wrestle with some of those, you know, do I believe this or not? You know, what is it that's holding me up on it? Um, so I think study of the faith is something that's really important. And you see this in scripture, even the early disciples and apostles um, devoted themselves to the teachings and, um, you know, listening to the Lord and all of his different dis- um, discourses, trying to grow and understand, you know, what is it that God is calling us to? Yes, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I look at that in my own life, Emily, is when I was coming back to the faith, uh, when I was an early college student, you know, I first started coming back as an, in the evangelical and the Protestant uh, Christian uh, denominations. And I began to um, go to those Bible studies. And then I I had a conversion to the Eucharist and I began to really uh, dig into the, the rediscover my Catholic faith. And, and it was that moment where I began to struggle with the, the concept, the dogma of our Marian faith, right? So all about the, the blessed mother, because I, you know, I was my first two years of re- coming back to the uh, Christian faith was through these Protestant churches. And so now I had to 
I look at and say, what is this? And I remember wrestling, wrestling, wrestling until I was able to understand uh, the the faith of the church. And at one point, I remember thinking, uh, just having a humble disposition saying, uh, hundreds of thousands of Catholic thinkers, way smarter than me, has gone before me. <laughs> and they understand this as as truth. Now, of course, I had to take that as a moment of faith at one point and, and, and make that choice as I explored and questioned and revisited and and looked at. But uh, eventually I came to know our lady. I came to conocer our lady, right? So I, I had engagements and, and encounters with the blessed Virgin Mary as my mother and my queen, my Dulcinea, and that made a, a big difference. That that changed from having this just knowledge in my head and and belief, uh, choosing to believe in my heart to having uh, that relationship. You know, and that surprises me because if any of you know Father Jason, you've probably seen his Our Lady of Guadalupe socks or even I think he's a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and um. if I got a tattoo, I would get a tattoo of Our Lady <laughs> Guadalupe on my back, you know, go big, go home, right? <laughs> you know, but this is so important because even within my own faith journey, you know, I remember, and I don't know why I keep talking about my undergrad years, but, you know, that was definitely a time of seeking. And I remember a conversation I had about abortion during that Mm -hmm. time. And, you know, I hadn't really given it much thought in high school, but we were talking about it. And I said, well, I guess I think it's wrong, except or unless, you know, someone is raped or something else happened. And I had someone who challenged me on that and really helped me like, no, 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 let's step back and look at this whole situation. You know, if it's not a baby, you're not pregnant. Right. (laughs) You know, a baby is a baby. And, you know, we really looked at that and it just opened up my eyes. The fact that someone challenged me beyond that and then I was able to read what the church teaches. You know, I think a part of our growth as disciples, we need to be able to 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 wrestle with those things, especially if we're not sure, you know, whatever society says, well, why is our church so vastly different from what culture is saying? So let's break that open and let's see. Um, And so I'm so thankful for that. And now we're so passionate about, you know, supporting women who are in um, pregnancies that we show them the options that abortion shouldn't be one of them. Yes. yes. Um, So I, so that is such a big thing is to learn and be able to form your faith. And next uh, we, we need to, engage in parish life, right? Right. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so a part of being a disciple, it's not just keeping it to yourself. I have the love of the Lord. We talk, <laughs> I know all about the church, but it's engaging in the parish life. The community is such an important aspect of what we do as disciples. We grow, we grow, um, we gain strength from one another. We help one another grow. As I mentioned, the conversations that I had, and I'm sure that you did as well, is what challenged us to be able to conform more to the Lord. So engaging in parish life and then also being able to serve others. That's a big piece of what um, Jesus did. And that actually jumps into the grow aspect, the no grow, go, is to be able to go out and share the good news with others. You know, in Matthew 28, you have the great commission, go there therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son of the Holy spirit. And it makes me think back to that apprentice um, aspect what would, who would you be if you were a carpenter, you had all these years of apprenticeship, you knew how to make these master carpentry and they said, okay, you're done. And you stopped, you know, if, if you don't make, if you don't make tables or if you don't try to sell them, can you really call yourself a carpenter? No. Yeah. So same thing as a disciple, you know, if you're equipped, 
then you need to go. Yes. <laughs> you need to share that good news with others. But how do I know if I have enough? Right. Well, you know, that's the funny thing. We're never going to have enough. It's always that, that lifelong journey, um, you know, that constant connection. It's, you know, and, and people will have cycles of, you know, feeling on top of the world and really connect to the Holy Spirit and maybe having those dry moments. But it's part of, you know, that action. Even Mother Teresa, you know, she had that dark night of the soul, which I think after her initial call was through her up until her death. I don't yes. know. You know, she had that she had that this lacking of no this absence of God in her life. Um, but through faith she continued to go and what she did was amazing. And and that go aspect, I'm gonna just break it down real quick and then you can, you know, offer some more, Father Jason, is what does go mean? So if you're sharing the good news with others, that could be a variety of things. One is prayer and praying intentionally for people who are separated from God. Um, a lot of times we say, if there's someone in your life who you just, um, you know, just think about all the people I know, is there someone in my life who's just kind of rising to the surface that maybe I feel like they need a little more attention or God wants me something, something for them. Um, begin with prayer, you know, pray for them. It could be a family member and a loved one. It could be a friend who you've seen kind of drift away from the church prayer. Um, witness, of course, just being open to talk about your faith with others, not to shy away. If you're praying at lunch at work or at school and you make the sign of the cross, um, showing people that you are a follower, inviting people. We've talked a lot about that, inviting people to participate and just that accompaniment and being with people, walking with them in their faith journey. You know, I, I think, uh, going back to the whole idea of like, uh, going and, and doing, uh, the work of, uh, disciple making, you know, there's never, uh, no, people are never going to be equipped enough, right? If you think I got to get this extra skill, I need to do this. At a certain point, you have to just take the step of faith and say, all right, the, the Lord is going to provide. And I think that's the part of it is that as disciples, we have to, uh, know that the Lord is going to supply what we don't have. Right. So one of the things, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Christ renews his parish retreats, mm -hmm. right? So one of the things they, they ask is that the, the, the retreatants who just went on retreat put on the next retreat. And a lot of them would be like, I don't know how to put on a retreat. I just went on a retreat. Well, that's the point, right? Mm -hmm. They have one or two uh, leaders that are kind of experts, if you will, that have gone before, but everyone else on the team has to rely on the Holy Spirit and on, on faith in God. And uh, certainly there's like a, a manual and stuff that will help them and guide them. But there's a beauty in that. There's a rawness. There's a, a realness where they're like, you know what? I'm not a retreat master. I don't know how to do this but I'm going to share what the Lord speaks to me, you know? And, and I think that's true uh, when we go, no matter where we are, we go ahead and do it. And uh, maybe it might be a little discombobulating at first, but the Lord's going to speak through us, right? And the Lord's going to use us when we, we go forth to, to make disciples. I also want to say just briefly about the engaging in parish life, Emily. And now we're backing up to the, the whole growing part. Uh, a lot of times we hear, um, a lot of times what happens, like people learn about the faith and they study. So whether it's RCIA or whether it's um, a child in our Catholic school, and they'll they'll go through it and they'll know about God, and they'll they'll say, okay, I I I know the somewhat of the faith, or I have a familiarity, and I know most of it, and and I agree with it, and I choose it, but 
then they go off and do other things. And it might be corollary to the church's mission, but they're not engaged in the parish life again, right? So they could, like a Catholic school, maybe someone goes off into Catholic high school and and they do all this great Catholic stuff in their high school, but they forget about their parish. Mm-hmm. And by forgetting about the parish, they're going to start losing their faith. It's destined to happen, right? You have to be engaged in the parish life. Or if someone's in RCA and, and they get real excited and, and, and then they jump into a, a, a particular ministry of service within the parish, and, but they forget to you know, come to mass or something. Well, that that's going and be part of the the communal worship of of the church. Well, th- they're going to start losing their faith, right? Because they, there's an integral part of their life that needs to be engaged in that communal act of worship in their parish. Yeah, and and you know when you talk about that grow, not even being connected, but also the serving aspect as well. I I can see how it can help you grow. So so many of our catechists and core team members over the years have commented, you know, I learned alongside with the children. You know, we give you this manual, you're teaching, even now we're doing the family faith formation. So we're asking the parents to be in this position of teaching through serving others. Um, we also gain and we learn from that experience and we grow. And, and a lot of times they say, how do you learn something by teaching it to others? That's how you're finally able to internalize it and, and wrestle with it a little bit. So it's so interesting how the more you get involved, it's just a cycle of growth and growing and getting closer to the Lord. And you know, that's so exciting. That's the adventure, right? We have these new discoveries and and we begin to marvel and about the, the new discoveries of faith and, and the new discoveries are endless. That's the, that's the cool thing that I find in, in my own faith walk. You know, I've been at this, you know, if I started really earnestly looking at my faith at age 20, now, you know, 27 years of, of kind of intentionally following Jesus. And every single year, uh, day there's, well, not maybe not every single day. I have some boring days. But, you know, every single month, I would say definitely, there is like a new um, insight or thought or or, or something that is like, whoa, that is powerful, you know, that I, and thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing me this. So uh, we do have this catechism quote, Emily, uh, from 1816. The disciple of Christ must not only keep the faith and live on it, but also profess it confidently, bear witness to it and spread it. Service of and witness to the faith are necessary for salvation. Whoa, <laughs> what is that last sentence about? Mic drop. <laughs> I know. I was like, whoa, I mean, can you t- talk about that a little bit? <laughs> so to repeat that last sentence, it says, service of and witness to the faith are necessary for salvation. So, wow. So as we said, it's not just enough that you know and you grow, but it's required for our salvation that we go, that we share that good news. But the thing about being a disciple is it's not something that we should feel the obligation. It's we should be so in love with the Lord. We should be filled with joy for the Holy Spirit that we should have the desire that we don't want anyone else to be left behind. We want everyone to know how amazing our God is. We want to be able to go out um, to share the good news. So it's a part of our journey of faith and as disciples, um, but also here it says it's necessary for salvation. You know, we are given that task. How can we hold on to it? How can we be selfish and hold it to ourselves if we have the truth of who God is and what he has done? You know, I think of uh, when I hear this, I think of the, the three points of, 
this this there's this um, maxim or there's this kind of phrase that the church uses lex orandi lex credendi lex vivendi and uh, pope uh, Benedict XVI wrote about this in Sacramentum Caritatis, a, a document about the 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 sacrament of love, uh, sacrament of charity, which is the Eucharist. But he's we we understand that uh, the way of faith and the way of prayer and the way of living that out is all directly proportional to each other. So it's almost as if those are three um, th- three. Uh, supports of a kind of a, a boat in which we are sitting, right? And if those three supports are ab- above water and keeping us uh, afloat, but if one of them becomes like a, a heavy weight and starts to go down to the floor of the, the, the lake or the ocean, well, that's going to pull the whole thing down, right? And pull us into the water and we'll drown. So we need all three to be fully inflated so that we can uh, uh, be atop of the, the water. And so I, that's the idea here, right? So it's not, we're not a once saved, always saved. We're not a, a church. We, that's, that's a false ideology from the, the, the Protestant um, churches. But um, we believe that we're working out our faith in fear and trembling, that we are... Uh, the, the prayer is necessary to feed our faith, and then our life of service and witness is necessary to allow the faith to be lived out and to allow us to pray more. It's all directly proportional, right? Mm-hmm. So hopefully that under- makes it a, a good sense there. I, I see here, uh, Emily, there's something about a personal evangelization plan. Can, oh, you, right. can you talk about that? Right. So I found um, this neat resource from the Diocese of Lansing called um, Personal Evangelization Plan. And you can Google that. And it actually kind of breaks apart these um, aspects. So I guess that we're assuming that you know the Lord if you're seeking to be get, grow in discipleship. So this specifically f- focuses on the grow and go section. Um, but it gives you an option to actually... Be very intentional. We talk about this. If you make, you know, New Year's resolutions or spiritual resolutions, you need to be intentional about what you want to do. So for grow, we talked about prayer. So then in this plan, it asks you, okay, when are your day? Are you going to commit to pray? So you have to write it down um, or study. You know, what can you study, read, or attend to learn about? So you kind of create your plan of, okay, in order to grow, I'm going to do this, and this is the day, and this is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, how am I going to commit? Okay. I'm going to look through the bulletin and I commit by the end of the week, I'm going to reach out to one of these organizations. So it, it's a really neat plan that if you want to assess where you're at and you want to grow or you want to go, it can guide you. Um, so again, that's from the Diocese of Lansing and it's a personal evangelization plan. You know, a little known fact uh, that the Diocese of Lansing went through a diocesan synod <laughs> and that uh, was one of the fruits of the diocesan oh, okay. synod. So, uh, you know, in the Diocese of Dallas, we're going through our own diocesan synod and, and the preparatory process right now. And so hopefully we'll have really cool things like that that yeah. will come forth from it. Well, uh, I think it's time for us to go to our tools. Uh, so Emily, what's some tools that we can supply to our listeners? All right. So, so I'm going to challenge everyone to be specific, just like we talked about on this evangelization um, plan. So tool number one is strengthen your prayer routine this summer. So every person may be different. I'm not going to give you a specific plan. Maybe you're going to want to pray with the creed like Father Jason suggested or sign up for adoration. Um, but tool number one, 
make a, a commitment to do something different this summer to strengthen your prayer. So tool number two that I'd like to offer is, you know, I mentioned about going through the creed and saying, how have I experienced uh, God and and know that he is God? How have I experienced him as father? How have I experienced him as as Jesus Christ, our Lord, and him saving? How have I experienced the animator, the the Holy Spirit, the advocate? Go through each part of the creed and 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 try to see from your own experience uh, how you know that to be true. Great. And so tool number three, I would say, is connect to your community um, and get engaged in the parish life. And if you're here at St. Joseph, I would encourage you in particular to participate in one of the neighborhood gatherings that are going to be hosted throughout the summer. Um, Get to know your Catholic neighbors. Don't be afraid. Um, You know, be a part of the community. And tool number four, I would say, is, you know, go. Make that step of faith. Dive into the deep end, right? So, uh, you know, you're not going to be perfectly equipped. If you bear, if you have a first grade education in the faith, go, you know, start talking to someone. Take that step of faith. Invite someone uh, to have a study of the scripture with you and over course of coffee or have a, invite a small group of friends over to have a book study. You know, it's We're just called to go forth, right? And take that step. Wonderful. Well, hopefully that gives you guys some ideas to be able to grow in discipleship this summer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Remember, we are all a work in progress. So be sure to tune in next time to gain new tools to help you build the church at home. And I pray God's blessing to be upon each and every one of you, energize you when you're tired, and that you may uh, be his disciple. May mighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.